and uh, I feel like it builds as we go. So, you know, my hope, my hope for church, my dream for what we call family is that we would be a people who relentlessly pursue God's presence. That we would be desperate for his presence. As the deer would pant for the water, David wrote. I think it was David. So my soul longs after you. That we would be known as a people who pursue God's presence. And by God's presence, I mean the person of God. And um, like I want it to be, I want it to be relentless. I want it to be demonstrable. I want it to be external. I want it to be togetherness. Not just, hey, look at that guy. He's chasing after God really well. But that we would nurture and support each other in that. You know, that we don't climb alone but that we climb with and lift others. It's my heart's desire that we would be a faith community who pursue a deep, rich, personal relationship with God. In the Bible, it's always good to take your guidance from the Bible, and the characters in the Bible uh, most of whom were not perfect, but a couple got close. And um, on page six of my Bible, they talk about the descendants of Adam. And it says here in verse 21, um, when Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years, walking in close fellowship with God. One day he was, and the next day he was not, because God took him. On the very next page, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless man living on the earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. In the Old Testament, they called it walking with God. James writes his letter to us, and, and in chapter 2, he references and quotes, in fact, Isaiah. And he says, And Abraham believed God, and God credited it to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Abraham was called a friend of God. And not everyone in the Bible was talked of like that. But I think we have so much available to us now, and it's all done for us by Jesus, that we could perhaps make it a little easier for ourselves. And so I'm really excited at the start of this year to, um, to launch this new series. And Andrea was asking, how long do you think it's going to go? And I'm like, I'm not sure. I don't know. We're calling it a series, but maybe it's just a, we should call it a lifestyle. That it doesn't stop when the series title changes. That we'd be a people who live in a 
in a way, in a posture that we would be face-to-face with God. This passage um, comes from Exodus 33, and I'll reread it to you again shortly. But I want to, I suppose, set out my expectation, my hope, or my desire as we would have these conversations, that each one of us would come to an understanding that that we're created by God, but we're created for friendship with God. God did not sit in his studio and make minions. He didn't think, man, I could get more chores done in the garden if I had some slaves. God created us for friendship, and that's what I want to speak about. But we, 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 we never want to lose that wonder and the awe and the majesty of who God is as almighty creator of heaven and earth. That left heaven to come to earth that we might have friendship with him. Let's not lose the reality of that. But let's not get so freaked out that we forget he wants us to walk with him, to be friends with him, to dwell in fellowship with him, and that we would converse with him as a friend would speak with a friend. So, we're turning to our, our key scripture in uh, Exodus 33, and Phil read this at the start of our gathering. It says of Moses that he would go to the tent of meeting, and people would watch as Moses met with God. A cloud of God's presence would come down and hover while the Lord spoke with Moses And inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. This is kind of like the advertisement of what might be, that we might hunger for, that we might desire. And I want you to mark that, put your finger in the page there, because I want to point you to um, a second verse, and I'm going to bounce a little bit of information out of these verses, but but just as a guide. In Numbers chapter 12, Moses' brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, they're trash-talking Moses. And I think, you know, like, if you go back to Richard's great question, he shared, why am I feeling like this? I'm reading between the lines, thinking, oh, they're a bit jealous. He gets to go and hang out and be with God all the time, and we're out here doing all the chores. I don't know, I made that up. But it doesn't say that. It's saying is they're, they're questioning, has the Lord only th- spoken through Moses? What about me? That's really what's in the words. But in the reference I've got on the screen there in Numbers 12 and verse 7, the Lord replies. So if you're Miriam or you're Aaron, you're freaking out right now because the Lord is responding directly and verbally to your sassiness. It says, if there were prophets among you, I would speak and reveal myself in vision, but not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he's the one I trust. I speak to him face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why would you be afraid? Why would you not be afraid to criticize Moses? So I want you to mark those two passages because we're going to have a conversation about them in a little moment. But I wonder what about you? 
Because I always like to think about the listener when I prepare sermons. I'm not trying to share with you what I want to get across. I'm like, what does what the community of faith need to hear? And, and why would you want to be living face-to-face with God? I mean, if, if, if Enoch was known, but all his family weren't, and if Noah was known, but the rest of his community wasn't, what about us? And as a contrast, I want to point to the words of Jesus. And I, I didn't put it in my slides because I wasn't sure I was going to go there, but we might as well start with it at the beginning. In Matthew chapter 7, it's at the end of what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has gathered the multitudes, they're sitting on the side of a hill, and he's sharing with them about life together. And, and he's speaking to an audience who profess to know God. They're worshiping God in the temple. They're following the, the Torah and the law. And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7. He says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your names and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But Jesus will, says, I will reply, I never knew you. I mean, that cuts to the core of the opportunity we have and what could be lost. Like, let us not build our lives around things that don't matter to Jesus. I mean, I'm doing all the stuff that I think Jesus wants me to do. And he's like, "Mm, I didn't know you. Now, the creator of earth who made you in his image does know who you are. So he's not saying, I don't know who you are. He's saying, I just didn't care for what you did. I mean, that's a warning to the church, to us. And I'm reading it going, what am I building my life on? Am am I putting my faith and my energy into what really matters? Because I can, uh, you guys know me. I'm busy. I can be busy. I can make myself busy. But am I building a house that won't last for eternity? And the truth is, the Lord is not concerned, I don't think, too much about where you work, where you live, what house you're in, what your job title is, or what you think your legacy is. What he really cares about is can he say, I know you? And that's based on who you are. And that's based on our humility to come before him and want to live in this face-to-face relationship. It's not about works. You, you can't earn your salvation. Like Brendan said, it's just given by grace. But I want to bounce around this conversation a little bit today to find out what it might look like and why we might like it, but what we might do to avoid it, and maybe you might want to avoid avoiding it. God wants to meet each one of us face to face. 
you know, the risk at talking about Moses is that everyone watched Moses go and hang out with the Lord. But that's not where we live now. You know, we're all, all qualified as priests. We're all qualified to have a personal connection with the Lord. Okay? But God wants to meet with you face to face as a man would meet with his friend. So, what does that mean for you? I wanted to, I wanted to give you a couple of points to discuss. And the, first, the first, first, first half of the list is relatively basic, and I'm going to point to it because it's what you'd expect to find in the text, and it's what you probably already know. I, I had a little bit of a wrestling match during the week with the whole concept of walking with God, uh, because then if you look in uh, Exodus 33 and 34, which are some really cool passages to linger in, the Lord's lying, well, look, you can see me, but you can't really see me, because if you saw me, you'd die. And did God really walk with Enoch, or is it not so much a literal walking? And, and I think what I got to in the end of my research was it's metaphoric. It's, it's not a literal. You're not going to have a vision of the face of God in front of you, bright and bold. Although if you do, come and see me because I want to talk to you. Because it's not impossible. But it's metaphoric. Face-to-face with God is about a, a being close with, being at the proximity. So, you know, Moses went out to the tent of meeting to be in the place to meet with God. And so face-to-face encounters, face-to-face relationship is all about being in the place where you can connect with God. And, and church is a great place to do it because it's a, it's a gathering of faith. It's a gathering of like-minded people. It's a, it's a place dedicated, but it's not exclusive. You can connect with God in nature. You can connect with God through fellowship with others. You can connect with God doing your chores. You can connect with God driving in the car, whacking the weeds with your weed whacker. So, but it's not about geographic location. It's about your proximity to God, being with. How would you expect to be a friend of God if you don't want to spend time with him? So it's about being aware of his spirit. I don't say, God, would you come into the room because he's already here. What we're praying is, God, would you help me to be aware of your presence that's all around me? That my awareness is what shifts because you're not needing to. That's the attitude we've got to have. And familiarity, I don't know, have you ever, have you ever walked into a room where you're not quite sure what's going on? And what's the first thing that you do? Usually what you do is you scan the room, and what are you looking for? A friendly face. Or have you ever been the one in the room, and someone walks in, and they see you, and their face lights up? No one said that. Oh, I'm going to do it next time you come. But it's that point of recognition. It's the connection. It's like, I see you. I'm glad to see you. It's a familiarity. Um, I'm doing a, a wedding this Friday. I'm trying to drive up to Auckland and way out to West Coast, Murawai Beach, uh, to do a wedding on Friday. And what I love about weddings is, is working with these, normally they're young people who are just soppy head over heels, just goo goo gaga. Anyone else remember what that was like? Way back. Wedding anniversary this month, you should still remember. Right? But that's that, 
that familiarity and the wanting to be with and the always want to hang out with. And, you know, when I started dating Kathy, I pretty much changed my focus. I don't want to hang out with my mates anymore. Like, where are you on Fridays? I'm like, I'm doing something better. With someone prettier than you. (laughs) Why? Because I had a desire for connection, to make it familiar, to be familiar, to have familiarity. and, And God wants that. He's desperately in love with you, and he wants you to respond in the same way, that we would be lovers of God first. And speaking of that, think of intimacy. Um, you know, there's plenty of, um, we, could, we could read the Song of Songs if we wanted to get a real good picture of how, what God thinks about us. Um, that could be your homework. But I, I, years ago, the Lord gave me this revelation about the intimacy we have with him, and, and in it, he used the, um, the, the Māori greeting where we hongi. I was recently in Indonesia preaching, and somehow the Lord just inspired me to use the example. So I'm speaking through a translator, doing a demonstration with Pastor Eric, trying to teach the Indonesian church what a hongi looks like. They all thought I was really, really weird. But I think we finally got there. I have no idea, though, because I don't speak the language. But you all know, you've seen it, right? Or you've experienced what a hongi is. And you press your, you greet someone, you press your forehead against theirs and your nose against theirs, and you pause, which can feel awkward. But I, I did some research on it, and I had a bit of prayer time about it years ago. And the Lord said to me, He says, when you're in that space, you share the air that you breathe. He says, it's a beautiful picture of what I want to be like with my people that we'd be face to face, that we'd share the same breath. What if you had the ruah of God, the breath of God more often in your day? Hey? Maybe you have a quiet time in the morning and you get a dose of the Holy Spirit and then you don't do anything else with God for the whole day. Or you might run out of air if you were dependent on His breath. So that idea of intimacy. But these ones are the ones I wanted you to discuss if you've got your finger marked in Numbers, you'll notice that the Lord said to Aaron and to Miriam, He said, well, what are you complaining about? Because I speak to Moses not in riddles. So there's clarity that comes. You know, I know some of what's happening in your lives, and I share some of what's happening in our life. I mean, there's a few of us confused at the moment about a few things that God's doing or not doing. You know, we're, Kathy and I have told you we're trying to sell our house. It hasn't sold yet. And, and many people say, what's going on? And this is my answer. If I knew what God was doing, I would tell you. So how do I find clarity? I spend time face-to-face with God. But I also give up my right to have answers. Because God's bigger than that. You know, like when I call him Lord, I don't tell him what he has to do. But it doesn't mean I still don't spend time with them face to face. Clarity comes by being face to face. The second thing is, he's like, well, I do it for him, but I don't do it for you. Spending time face to face with God means that we're, we're different. We're differentiated. We're set apart. We're called out ones. That's what Christian means, to be called out. You know, we should be proud that we're different. We don't have to say we're better than. But we sure as heck should be obviously different than. 
And if you read um, the end of Exodus 34, you'll read and probably remember that Moses would come out of the tent and his face would be glorious. Not anyone else. Him. Because he was face to face with God. Now, I've never had that. But I have had times where I've had extended times away with God and I've come back and my friends or my workmates have said, you're different. Or I've walked into a conference to do something and I'd shake someone's hand and they're like, wow, I can feel the anointing on you for this moment. Why? Because I've been face to face with God. So we can be different. We should be different. And we want to know how we can be. And I want you to talk about that. And finally, we should be glorified. Christ did not come just to give you a bus ticket to heaven. He came to change you now. Set apart, predestined, justified, and glorified, Romans 8. It's yours. Now, it might not be naturally looking like a natural glow. Who's that lady that does natural glow? Suzanne Paul. Remember the TV ad? Okay, that was just a flashback. Um, (laughs) But you can be glorified by God. And what does it mean to be glorified? It means to be radiating His goodness. And these are the three that I want to wrestle with. So... Um, I made a commitment to myself that I was going to talk less and so to allow you time to talk. So um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to have a conversation. I want you to think about why is nearness to God so good for me? But keep your conversation limited to clarity, differentiation, and glorification. So stand up. We're going to take five minutes. Find a friend, a new friend. It's up to you. Move outside your comfort zone. Come on. Go, 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 go. Let's find someone to have a chat. Why is this good for me? Hey, uh, could I just uh, stay where you are? Stay where you are. Stay where you are. Uh, I just love. I love this. I love this a lot. I love seeing it. So thanks for participating. I hope you're talking about Christian matters. Um, but if you're not, it doesn't matter. You're still fellowshipping, right? Hey, I just want to give you something else to do. Um, it's, it's quite possible also that in our journey we can rob ourselves of nearness to God, and it's just called life. And a couple of Scriptures, um, one of which I'll give you, and the other you know well anyway. But in in Genesis chapter three, the story of Adam and Eve eating the apple caused a division between them and God. They used to walk with God, and then He banished them from the garden. That's what sin does, and you know that story well. You can go and read it if you need to refresh yourself. But in Deuteronomy, which is a bunch of regulations that God gave the people for living, chapter twenty three. Um, talks about how we maintain ourselves in pure place for worship. And I I just want to read to you verse 14. It's actually talking about um, toilet patterns, if I could say it carefully. Um, But in verse 14, you can read it later. Um, In verse 14 it says, The camp must be holy, for the Lord your God moves around in your camp, So where you live needs to be holy. Where you work needs to be holy. Your lifestyle needs to be holy. For the Lord your God moves around in your life. 
Why? To protect you and to defeat your enemies. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. Listen on. He must not see anything shameful among you or he'll turn away from you. And, and the reality is, in our, in our life of um, walking along, we get these things happening. We can become distracted, false idols, Adam and Eve. We can be deceived, Adam and Eve. Or we can be diverted away from the pathway. And that's what Deuteronomy is talking about. If you get defeated, look, Jesus did all the work for your righteousness. You can't earn it, but you can smudge it. Day to day, you need His righteousness. Day to day, you need His grace. Day to day, you need to be connected. And so while you're together, while you're still here, would you pray for one another? The Bible says it's good to confess your sins to each other. You don't have to go that far if you don't feel comfortable. But which one of these would be the hardest one for you in the season you're walking right now? Would you be willing to say, oh, it's easy for me to get diverted? Can you pray for me in that area? And pray for each other. Strengthen each other in the holy faith. And the end of the sermon will have to be for another day. Because this is how we do life. And I believe this is how we find closest to God. We minister one to each other before the Lord. His presence will be amongst us. So would you take five minutes, maybe a little longer, to pray for each other? And then I want to finish with an encounter space. So please pray. So as we finish, um, I wanted us to sit in God's presence and the power of the blessing, the song that's known as the blessing, but this comes from the Aaronic blessing, the the blessing in Numbers, Numbers chapter 6, and uh, I want you just to sit in it or stand, you do what you like, but but allow the words of the song to minister to you, because as the Lord comes in this place, I just feel His presence right now, just moving in this place to touch you, to minister to the needs that you have that no one else can see, but that His grace would be upon you, His glory would be upon you, because He's turning His face toward you, as the Word says, and His peace is falling right now. Let's let the Lord minister to us. And then let's turn ourselves back and minister to Him. Because this moment here, this moment is a face-to-face moment with God. We're desperate for, we're longing for. As the deer pants for the water, so our soul longs for Him.